Ah, mmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to Caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at Caskers.com. Ah, mmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to Caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at Caskers.com. What is up, friends? Before we hop into the show, I got to tell you about one of our longest partners today, and that is our friends over at Green Mountain Dental. And you know what? I call them friends. I should call them family because they're part of the DNVR family. We're part of their family over there at Green Mountain Dental, and they're the best damn family-owned dentistry in the Denver metro area. And you've got to check them out because not only are they diehard Colorado sports fans, not only are they fantastic dentists, but if you schedule a cleaning x-ray and exam, you'll receive a free Sonicare toothbrush for them. So everyone gets their teeth taken care of. Might as well go to a place that's going to treat you great. Talk Colorado sports and give you a free Sonicare toothbrush when you go. And all you have to do is schedule a cleaning x-ray and exam with our friends over at Green Mountain Dental when you do. So make sure to check them out. They're only 15 minutes from downtown Denver and they have supported us for a long time and supporting our partners is supporting us. So please, when you go, let us know that you go and let us know that that family is growing over there and schedule that cleaning x-ray exam get a free sonicare toothbrush all right mace let's hop into the show number one for the one and only the DNVR Broncos podcast on this terrific Thursday. I'm your host, Zach Stevens, joined by my man, Andrew Mason. And before we hop into the show, I got to tell you about our presenting sponsor, MSU Denver Online, because time and time again, the one thing that will protect you against economic downturn is an education allowing you to adapt into varying careers. And you can go build your toolbox over at MSU and you don't have to stop working. You can make money while continuing to earn your degree over at MSU. MSU Denver online. So make sure to check them out. My boy, Mace, what is going on, my friend? All right. Give him, give me one before you go on vacation because I had the button hit. Muted. There we go. <laughs> all right. I, my, my guess is Mace at heck. You may not miss me at all next week, but one thing you definitely won't miss is that. Yeah, but it's been a while. That's why, that's <laughs> why I had you, you do been, it. You've been on top of it, man. I know when I had, I'd say like, all oh, of us have really. Yeah. That's why when I, 
I hit it. I, I hit it. I'm like, okay, I'm just going to give Zach this one as he heads <laughs> off to a, a fun and frolic filled and enjoyable week in Hawaii. Is this going to be a laying by the pool week for you? Or is this going to be some hiking, some outdoor stuff or a little column A and a little column B? Exactly. I think we're going to have a good little mix of that because, I mean, you, you can't go to, from what I've heard, I've never been to Hawaii, but you can't go to Hawaii and not lay out by the pool and the beach. But there's also, it's just incredible, you know, the, the green mountains that are there and Mace, you've been there and we have mm-hmm. a lot of listeners there, but it's just something that I can't fathom because we have amazing mountains here, but they're not lush with a beach right next to them. So I can't wait. Mm-hmm. Well, you're going to have a blast and uh, you'll have an unforgettable week. I've, I, I mean, anyone who's who's been to Hawaii, I mean, I've maybe maybe changed a little bit for the better after the week or maybe you just have a relax, a relaxing time. But, uh, yeah, there are a few better places on the planet. I'm very envious of you getting to go back there. It's been I haven't been in three years and it feels like it's way too long. <laughs> well, thank you, Maze. It was funny. I was talking to our producer, Kale, yeah. uh, yesterday, and he said you're, you're going to have an existential crisis coming back of whether you should move there and live oh. there. And uh, and I know some people very close to me have have had those uh, <laughs> debates after going to Hawaii of, hmm, should I be living in Colorado or should I move there? But thank goodness Colorado is a good place to live. It's a very good place to live. But at the same time, I had the thoughts like, oh, how could I cover the team remotely while living in Hawaii? And what would it take back to fly back to the mainland each weekend to cover games and all that? And of course, that's where the cost gets you because the uh, the flights are across the Pacific Ocean are uh, not yes. cheap. No, they certainly aren't. One real, real thing, real quick thing. Are you flying direct or are you connecting? connecting yeah okay. the uh the airline we're taking doesn't do direct uh so we're connecting in salt lake city so a quick little flight uh tomorrow oh, and oh, then oh. and then a longer one okay that's fine but there's something about if you fly direct just kind of turning yourself off mentally on oh, the plane yeah. falling asleep maybe it's, it, especially when you come back when you come back it's a it's a flight at night and you obviously want to sleep through it, but there's something about falling asleep and then you wake up and Oh my gosh, you're almost to Hawaii. <laughs> that is so cool. You know, uh, we're we're taking Delta and they don't ah. have free Wi-Fi, but they have like free messaging. So I guess your phone can connect so you can like text when you're on there for free. And I, when I saw that, I was like, man, I actually, I don't want that. I, mm-hmm. I, I don't want to be connected. You know, it, it's, it's obviously good for my job that I can be a little connected and know if an Aaron Rodgers trade goes down on a long flight, but I kind of want to just, mm-hmm. you know, disconnect for the flight. I, I I'd like that, but uh, I guess for my job, I, I appreciate that. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. Yeah. But you know what? It, I don't know if it'll work over the Pacific ocean. Mm-hmm. I think it only works yeah, over the mainland. Right. So yeah, I, I think you're right. So you, so I'll, you, I'll disconnect yeah. a little bit. Broncos, yeah. please don't trade for Aaron Rodgers during those like four hours. Please. Any, well, actually, let's just not do it this week. Let's do it right at training camp. But uh, after these recent developments, I don't expect anything to happen until training camp starts yeah. anyways. But but Mace, we, we were talking about, uh, you know, how expensive it is to would be to fly 
to and from the mainland from Hawaii each and every week to see Broncos games. I know one family that could afford that, and that is the Bolin family. And they actually have connections out there in Hawaii. Of course, we know Pat loved Hawaii. Uh, some of his kids are, are often down there and live there. And there was some interesting developments yesterday, Mace, with the big court case. We know a couple of weeks ago it was put on stay. And yesterday, the lawsuit between uh, Amy Clemmer and Beth Bolin Wallace against the Bol- the Pat Bolin Trust was officially dismissed. Mace, let's break down what this means. Well, we're still kind of figuring out what it means because we don't know if this means that there has been a settlement between one side of the family, which of course are the two children of Pat Bolin's first, the Pat Bolin had with his first wife, Sally Parker, Beth Bolin Wallace and Amy Clemmer, and also John Bolin, Pat Bolin's brother, uh, was on that side. We don't know if there has been uh, a, a, a settlement per se or not. What we do know, and this was reported by uh, Nine News, is that uh, the, the motion to dismiss did come from and was filed by the side of Amy Clemmer, Beth Bolin, Wallace, and John Bolin. And I'm talking about, again, not Johnny Bowen, but John Bowen, uh, who was supporting who who was supporting the two elder siblings. So what does that mean? The fact that the motion to dismiss was officially filed, not by the, the side representing the trust, but the side representing the challenge to the trust. And I think that's what we're trying to do. Everything is is obviously you know tight lipped over with the Broncos right now. We're not we're probably not going to get very much. Uh, uh, very much information, but if, but when you try to put two and two together, if the motion to dismiss was filed from the plaintiff's side, uh, you wonder a if there's a settlement, what's the degree of the settlement, or b is it has it reached a point where, and this is where a sale comes into play, uh, it do they realize that the offers are going to be substantial enough to where okay, let's just sell this and move on. Or C, the other option is that the two the two older siblings have gotten behind Brittany Bolin as the managing partner, and they and they've agreed, and that unanimity among the Bolin children that Joe Ellis says he wants in order to pass the team to, to Brittany Bolin that has been achieved. I, that's that's one that I would say is probably the least likely of the options here. Yeah, and the, there's also a, another option that maybe there was a lot of dirt thrown out there. And we, we knew that Mace, this could get pretty darn ugly. Uh, and uh, maybe there was some dirt that, uh, you know, that side didn't want to come out. And that was kind of the final straw for them to drop it. Uh, but you, you think that if that was the case, they would have known about what dirt was going to come out uh, long before just a couple of weeks ago, since they've had the, de- the, de- the depositions and everything before. So, which one do you think it is most likely? Do you think it's that the Pat Bolin kids all got behind Brittany and that it's going to stay in the Bolin family? Or do you think it's that, you know, there, there was a settlement in place uh, and that this team will be sold? Because obviously those are two very different outcomes. And from what we know right now, it's not clear which route it is. Yeah, I mean, it's as clear as mud at this point quite frankly. And, and so not very clear. Yeah. I, I would say like, 
I'd say probably the most most likely is that uh, there has been an agreement to uh, to to put the team on the market at some point. It may not be tomorrow. It may not be next month. Uh, it's it may be something that takes some time. It could be hey, there's possibility even could be years because there's one thing the the remote possibility that I don't see it happening just because of the fines that are in place for for teams that are not in compliance with the NFL's guidelines as far as designating a true partner running the operation and not a trust and, and, and so forth. But if you look at the, at the values of the franchise franchises and, and the expected impact of legalized gambling, as it gets legalized in one state after another around the country, of course, it's already legal here in Colorado. We know that, but knowing where the franchise values are going to go, does it behoove them to find a way to kind of sit tight for a couple of years if the intent is to eventually sell? Because one thing like we've discussed that is looming over all this is at the point when the children inherit the team, they would be hit. They would be hit with a 40% inheritance tax. And, and can they find the capital to do that? Because, uh, the asset would be taxed on it. The asset they pick up would be taxed on uh, its value. And you'd certainly have an assessment as to what the value was to know what the tax bill uh, to know what the tax bill would be. And so that's sort of a, that, that's sort of a complicating factor in, in this as well. Another thing is let, let's say the team is put up for sale. I mean, this is going to be a billion, uh, a billionaires only type of situation. Although you certainly Darn. want, well, certainly one could, <laughs> we'll get into this later. Could, could, a uh, opt to include say a Peyton Manning uh in their group if 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 they saw Stevens if they yeah yeah but this this team when it is sold in all likelihood the person the the person or people who end up buying it will have a net worth in I'd I'd say the net worth would start at seven or eight billion dollars and probably it would be a net worth in uh, yeah, it's mind-boggling to think of this eleven figures. Oof. Man, I'm only mm-hmm. like eleven figures off from being able so, to afford the team. Yeah, that, yeah, that, that's a shame. But basically, it, it, ten billion talking, or yeah, ten billion or more is basically what we're talking about with that kind of with a net yep. worth that might take uh, that might take to be uh, to be a controlling owner and and have kind of a a deal that that can be made. I mean, I think that's uh, that's one thing that. Uh, that that's that's coming into play here. The the pool of potential owners of NFL teams who could buy into the league is shrinking because uh because of the increased value of franchises, and that's only and that's only going to continue uh over time. So, is it possible that we were talking about four billion? Maybe we're talking about a deal that's five or six billion dollars uh, for the Broncos if they're sold because of the anticipation of what legalized gambling is going to do for everybody's revenue streams. That is a lot of cash. And Macy, you brought up some good points in there that I want to dissect because mm. when this news first came out yesterday, pretty much the, the biggest question that I had people asking was, is this good for Brittany? This is good for Brittany, yeah. right? Is this the first positive thing for Brittany in a while? And the answer to all of those, in my opinion, is yes, Initially, this does seem good for Brittany, and for about a year or two, everything had kind of been going against Brittany outside of what the Broncos had been doing in terms of hiring her, promoting her, uh, really letting her take COVID, uh, it, it, the, the COVID task force for the Broncos head on and doing a great job with that. But outside of that, 
everything legally and with the future of the team did not seem good for Brittany, except for this. This was kind of the first good news for Brittany because maybe it did show that the sisters are getting behind her uh, or maybe it did show that they're not going to have a case in order to argue it. But that's just kind of initially on the surface. You mentioned one thing, the the estate tax and the uh, uh, the inheritance tax that they're going to have to do. There's also every kid needs to get behind Brittany in order for the mm-hmm. team to stay in the family. I don't think that's going to happen. So initially, I do think yesterday's news was good for Brittany. I unfortunately just think there's so many other things stacked against her that it's still not going to go her way, even though I do think yesterday was good news for her. I still think the odds are, are very much in favor of a sale. Yeah, I mean, how seriously do we take uh, the Instagram ramblings of Johnny Bowen? Okay, as serious as you want. Yeah, because uh, there have been plenty of posts to his Instagram story over the months and years uh, that, uh, let's just say, express skepticism regarding. Uh, uh, whether he would support Brittany Bowen or not, I, I don't want to put two and two Fair together. To but uh, certainly, there are you know there there are there are some things, and uh, they've been well documented on social media. Some, and if we're keeping this a family podcast, I can't necessarily share them because um, <laughs> there's a lot of ribald language in there. But basically, but you have but basically. Getting those, the key thing obviously would be, would be Beth Bowen, Wallace, and Amy Clemmer. Would they be behind uh, Brittany, Brittany Bowen after all this? Uh, and that's what we we don't know. Again, that's we're kind of just we're we're kind of speculating here. We're kind of reading tea leaves. We're kind of yeah, maybe hearing little bits and pieces coming from outside, but not hearing anything from those kind of close to the lawsuit here. And now the lawsuit is dismissed as to why. So we're just kind of in that in that holding pattern and just kind of and we're just going to kind of have to uh to, to wait and see i mean basically someone asked me the same thing is it good news for you know good news for Brittany? good news for the, for the team staying in the family it could be good could be bad the thing that is is difficult to get past here is uh is the estate taxes and and when they come in now it's possible they could uh, that loans could be taken out to afford uh, the cost of the of the estate of the estate tax and the inheritance. But then you've already got then you have a situation where you could have uh, the bowling the bowling children inheriting the team and all of them uh, having a kind of a, the debt service that they have to take care of, that they have to take care of in addition to um, holding their percentages of the team. And is that something that you really that you want to have or that the league wants to have? And that's the other thing that's in play is that ultimately. Even even though all the 32 franchises operate independently can do what they want, uh, the, the Broncos under Pat Bowen were all, you know, usually very supportive of, of league matters. And and so. Joe Ellis and Roger Goodell, they go back, they they go back decades as well. So ultimately what, what the league hopes for is going to may come into play as well in terms of how this ends up playing out. Yeah, you're exactly right. And Mace, the other thing you said was that 
Uh, it could be in the best financial responsibility for the trust to keep the team for a couple of years, continue mm -hmm. to to run it as they've been doing for many years now, and then sell it when it continues to increase. And I completely agree with you that these franchises are only going to increase in value. Uh, we're not too far away from seeing close to a $10 billion sale for one of these franchises, maybe five years down the road from now. But, and I think this is a big relief for everyone, I don't think that they're going to do that. I think the trust is done with this. They want to get it off their hands and specifically Joe Ellis wants to, we know mm -hmm. that he wants to step away when his contract expires next spring, he wants to be done with it. And so he mm -hmm. also, I would imagine wants to be done with all of this in that time as well. And yesterday he put out a statement that said regarding the future of the Denver Broncos organization, our number one priority remains a timely responsible and orderly determination of Broncos ownership. There are no changes with the operation of the team which is completely focused on a successful 2021 season. The big thing that I take from that is in this statement, uh, Joe Ellis pretty much reiterates that this is something he wants to do soon. Our number mm -hmm. one priority remains a timely determination of Broncos ownership. I think everyone likes to hear that Mesa. I'm, uh, mm -hmm. uh, I'm, I'm done with this. I think Broncos yeah. fans are done with this. And I also think that people know the best thing for the football team on the field is to get an owner in place because we know just how tough it is without an owner and how good it can be with the right owner in place. We were able to see that for decades with Pat Boland. Don't forget as well. I mean, and it's funny to be talking about the, about millions in the realm of billions because it may seem like small potatoes, but you also have the, the, the situation where Roger Goodell can find a team up to $10 million if they're not in compliance with NFL rules yeah. regarding one person being a managing partner who has a minimum, at least a certain amount of equity, I believe it's 5% in the team. Right. So that is some, that is something that's kind of, I feel like that, I feel like that it was designed to pressure two teams in order to get some stability. One was the Broncos to kind of, okay, figure things out. The other was the Tennessee, the Tennessee Titans, which actually ended in getting things settled among the descendants of Bud Adams to where they did achieve compliance and that, and the Broncos to get there, it would have to pass from the trust to the bowling, the bowling children. And then, all of them getting behind one managing partner as Joe Ellis has suggested. And that it just, it seems like that might be kind of a bridge too far to, to pull off. I mean, I, I've seen stranger, I've seen stranger things happen, but it that just seems like get, getting uh, everybody on the same page there. It has, it's been a challenge over, over time. And I, I don't, I don't see how that, has substantially has substantially changed unless they found a way to say okay yeah if we can just hang on and agree we're all going to be on this uh on this gravy train to big gambling money here and uh we can figure out the the estate taxes then uh there's a there's a possibility but is that the best best possibility for the broncos i think there's a lot of fondness from the, for the bowling name for what pat bowling did for the franchise but kind of given where all where all this is going is it best for the Bowen family to own to own the Broncos when you're starting to look at uh, uh, 
what you need to own a team uh, being uh, ca- being cash resources outside of football that uh, uh, exceed what the Bowen family has at this time. Mace, I think there is an ideal situation for the future of the Broncos, and I want to get into it. But first, I got to tell you about our friends over at Ball. And yes, I'm talking about Ball Aerospace and Ball Arena. And Mace Ball reached out to us because they need help here in Denver at their Golden Plant. They have floor manufacturing positions for production technicians and other roles available, and they want to hire you. They do. Why? They, they need to make more cans. Mace, <laughs> last year in 2020, Ball made over 101 billion cans. Yes, 101 billion cans. I mean, we're, we're talking billions with amount, the amount that the Broncos are going to sell for. We're talking 101 billion with Ball. Hot diggity dog. We've thrown out some big numbers today. And they, yeah, that is a lot of cans. So they're hiring production technicians to make even more of these cans. What are they going for, like 200 billion? You got it. They're adding line capacity to their 400 person plant here in town at Golden. The demand for sustainable aluminum beverage cans is greater than ever. And more than that, chances are if you consumed a beverage in a can, it's been from a ball aluminum can. Got one right now. Yes, you do. (laughs) Got a can of soda this morning, waking, waking me up on this uh, beautiful Thursday morning in the Mile High City. And Mace, it's made out of highly sustainable material. 75% of the aluminum that has ever been produced on the face of the earth is still in use. That's, that's impressive. And you know what? That's part of why it's, it's a good idea to recycle. I've got my recycling bin over in the kitchen. I, I probably produce between sodas and other things. I probably produce two or three bins of recycling. Zach, I've observed that I produce as much recycling or and often more recycling uh, items than waste items. Yeah, that that is huge. And the cool thing is, is aluminum is infinitely mm. recyclable. So Mace, keep doing that. And something that everyone should keep doing is supporting ball, but also apply and work for them. Because not only are they great with their their uh, values and how they treat the planet, but they're also great to their employees. My aunt just started working there and she has nothing but fantastic things to say about their work environment. So make sure to apply. And here's how you do it. You can check them out at hashtag work at ball online and apply for a position at their aluminum can plant text golden G O L D E N to seven, seven, two, 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 or go to jobs.ball.com and search for golden. That's jobs.ball.com and search for golden or simply text golden to seven, seven, two, two, two. All right. I also want to tell you about becoming a DNVR member. DNVR is the most in-depth coverage for your professional Denver teams as you may know from listening to this podcast, but there are so many more perks becoming a DNVR member, and we just keep adding perks as time goes on. For example, you can join our DNVR Golf League. If you missed that first sign-up, we will have opportunities for you to join week-to-week depending on what course we are on. So follow DNVR Golf on Twitter for all those updates. There's the members-only Discord. You don't have to worry about politics or jerks spoiling conversation when you're on that Discord. It's not like uh, social media. It's a better place to talk about your favorite Denver teams. If you come on down to a watch party at the DMVR bar, you'll get extra raffle tickets to win free gear. So be sure to mention to your server that you are a member. You get to talk with our hosts in Discord. And like I said, diehard fans in that Discord who uh, love their teams and don't want the garbage of social media. You can read our content. You get, and also you get a free DMVR shirt when, you're, when you become a member and a chance to join us on the podcast. So check out DMVR. We love the fact that you're listening. Pardon me. But consider becoming a subscriber. We promise you you won't regret it. 
you certainly won't regret it. And something else, Mace, that you're not going to regret is checking out our friends over at Hassle Cattle Company, where they've got the best damn Wagyu beef that every person can afford. That's why they call it their blue collar Wagyu. And here's something else that you can afford. They've got a deal going on, Mace. Buy three, get one free on their flank steaks. All you have to do is use the code DNVR flank at checkout for your buy three, get one free. That's code DNVR N-K at checkout to get buy three, get one free flank steaks. They're great for marinating, which is just a perfect thing to do when you are during when you're having a barbecue this summer. Also, make sure to check out everything they've got over there, including the jerky, the Wagyu Franks, the New York Strip, beef, bacon. They've got it all over at Hassle Cattle Company. We love it so much. We put it in the DNVR bar. It is the official beef of the bar. So make sure to check us out if you want to try a burger before ordering. And also make sure to check them out and use the code DNVR10 for 10% off your order over at HassleCattleCompany.com. That's H-A-S-S-E-L-L CattleCompany.com. Use the code DNVR10 for 10% off your purchase. And any order over $200, you get free shipping. So check them out over at Hassle Cattle Company. Good stuff. Good stuff as always, Zach. All right, Mace. Let's talk about a potential ideal situation for the Broncos future. And that involves Mr. Peyton Manning. We talked to him yesterday as he was celebrating and having his media availability for going into the hall of fame, which is less than one month away, believe it or not. And we talked to him and Mace, he was asked about, you know, the future of the Broncos and if he would ever be interested in a role with the Broncos and he did not turn it down. I think this is huge news. Now, he didn't, you know, jump on it, but he didn't turn it down. He didn't deny it. And I think that is huge. Well, to, you know, like, like he mentioned uh, over the course of that half hour Zoom conference uh, that he had with media, a lot of Denver media, but a lot of media from around the country as well. Um, you know, he kind of said, hey, you know, things that have come up, I couldn't have seen, you know, couldn't have seen himself becoming a game show host, but there he is uh, every week uh, hosting a college bowl. I mean, he probably didn't see himself hosting a very popular series on football history, but there he is on Peyton's places. So I think uh, things that have come up in retirement have, have surprised him from time to time, but we also know that he spent his last four seasons playing for a team that had a great quarterback, a legendary quarterback in John Elway, who became an executive. And so uh, you wonder just if uh, he started, he's thinking in terms of, all right, is there a way to, to, to go on that? Now here's, here's the thing. Peyton Manning's, and I know people want Peyton Manning, you know, back in the building and they probably want him. uh, People would love to have him in control of things over with the Broncos. You bet we do Mace. Uh, he's not going to be the managing partner of an ownership group. No. Well, no, it's just, it, here's the thing. Like <laughs> think about what we're talking about in terms of billions and billions. now it's possible that he could be kind of uh, a front facing person who then uh, assumes a high ranking role within the organization. Like basically think of like magic Johnson, except if with the Dodgers, except if magic were actually kind of, really involved deeply involved with the day-to-day see Ma- right. magic magic was the front man for a group but he only put forth i believe 2.3 percent 
of the purchase price for the Dodgers when they brought when that group bought the team from Frank McCord. So he, I believe, it was fifty million dollars that Magic Johnson put in uh, to the group, and so you take that two point one three billion that was paid for the Dodgers, and effectively you 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 made more than double it for what the Broncos uh, will go for. So it so you're talking about a percentage that is not going is probably not going to be very high pay hey Peyton's successful and wealthy but he's not a billionaire and the other thing is if you have these if you have a billionaire that is heading a group that billionaire is almost certainly going to want to be the managing partner i mean let's let's just we'll toss a name out there let's toss out the name jeff bezos all right i think uh i think the nfl and its owners would love to have jeff bezos in their club yes for a lot of reasons if Jeff Bezos buys an NFL team, whether it's the Broncos or somebody else, yeah, there's probably room for some for somebody like a Peyton Manning to have a small piece, uh, to have a very small piece, but and maybe even to be involved in a team in some executive role. But the managing partner, the CEO, the owner, uh, that's going to be a Bezos, basically. So it's and really, really. I, I also, yeah, that's that's the thing. I, Peyton may have a big role, but I don't see him being like effectively the owner if that's what well, that makes any sense it makes i could i completely agree with you and and i i'm on the same page i think rk is, is maybe on a different route he sees it yeah. a little differently but may some mm-hmm. guys so, some man or woman isn't going to pay five billion dollars for an investment and then say yeah i'll let someone else run and i don't really care yeah. no 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 they're, no they're not gonna do now maybe they won't be hands-on with it but they're not going to give someone else the control where someone else is able to make the dis- the big the biggest decisions. They're not going to do that. So what where I think you're going and where I think you're absolutely right is whoever buys the team is going to be the controlling owner. But maybe Peyton gets one percent in or two percent in mm-hmm. on the team, and with that uh, and along with that that person makes Peyton Manning the president of the team or the, uh, you know, president of football operations. I don't really see him taking any role below president of football operations. I see it either being president of football operations uh, or just straight up president of the team. And then we're talking about, okay, so the, the owner still gets all of the power, but for the most part, Peyton Manning's the one running the show on a day-to-day basis. And maybe that's actually ideal for the owner, especially if the owner doesn't want to be hands-on, then they get mm-hmm. to let Peyton be the one that's hands-on. But the the buck still stops with the right. owner. The owner could still say, all right, this is yep. working. I'm going to make some changes. Yep. I mean, you know, Pat, like when Pat Bowen uh, ran the Broncos, especially in like the Mike Shanahan years, he gave Mike pretty, pretty good latitude to do what he saw fit on the football side. And he gave Joe Ellis a wide latitude to do what he saw fit on the business side of things. But Pat was always there to say, okay, no, we're, we're not going to do that. I mean, kind of one of my, one of my favorite examples is, uh, uh, you know, and you know, I was in the building at the time back in, uh, back in 04 was there was a, a brief notion floated of converting the field at mile high uh, than it was in Vesco field at mile high to turf <laughs> be in part because after trading Clinton Portis, the expected running back was Quentin Griffin and Griffin had a huge game on turf in Indianapolis late in 03 that allowed the Broncos to clinch a playoff spot. He was a guy that he had, he had extremely good stop start ability uh, to, 
extremely good cutting ability and that on turf he could cut a little bit better and it would really make the offense kind of flow and then uh you know pat bowen effectively was like no no we're gonna we're gonna stay on grass <laughs> at, at mile high i want i want that field to always be grass and, and you know the Broncos have always played on the grass field at home. I hope that never changes that. And so that's the sort of, there are things like that. Sometimes you get some flights of fancy coming from, uh, from, from people that are running on day to day and the owners there to say, uh, no, no, right. no. And if things are and, and Hey, if things are going badly, the owner can say we're going in a different direction because you know what it, what it looked like for a few years here in the late 2010s is that having a trust as owner rather than, Pat Bowen, you wonder if that sort of led to the stagnation. I know we discussed it here uh, on this podcast that uh, Mike Shanahan got jettisoned for less in terms of struggles back in the late 2000s than the Broncos were enduring uh, in the late 2010s uh, with under John Elway stewardship. And we talked about, okay, what would Pat Bowen have done in this scenario? Well, the thing that happened eventually is that Joe Ellis did kind of confer with John Elway and, and create kind of a graceful exit strategy that allowed the Broncos to kind of move forward in different direction. And so, but was that process hindered or delayed because there wasn't a true owner? And that's the thing. That's the value of an owner is to come. If it's a good, as long as it's a good owner, it's to come in and say, Nope, you know what? This isn't working. It's a, ch- a check and balance on those running the day to day. Then you just have to hope that the owner knows what he or she is doing and is prudent because if you get a Dan Snyder, for example, Dan Snyder has actively kind of undermined uh, the, the, the mechanisms that would allow a team to succeed. Like you think back, for example, how RG three felt that he could do an end run around Mike Shanahan and go straight up to Daniel Snyder with complaints that he had. And that's right. and that's part of what sank the Shanahan era in Washington. It's also a small part of what sank RG three there as well, the, because that created kind of a dysfunct uh, a dysfunctional situation. And that's a sort of and and I and I do understand why people would be nervous about a sale, because you don't know what that owner is going to be like when he or she is in charge. So Mace, do you agree with me back, back to PFM? Do you agree that, uh, that his title would probably be president or football or president of football operations? Uh, My gut feeling is that it would be president. I I think, I think if Peyton is in charge, I think he wants to oversee the whole thing. I think so too. Business and football. And I think in that means that when it comes to football, maybe he's not kind of watching the film on on every guy. I, like I'm not sure that even though Peyton, you know, likes to get down to things to, to the to the tiniest detail, Peyton probably isn't going to watch film on a backup linebacker being brought in uh, at midseason to supplement depth because you've had an injury at the position. Now, right. I mean, you may kind of run the name by him, but he'll let the football operations people kind of do do their thing. And when you are team president overseeing everything. There's so much in front of you that you can't dive into that. But for example, quarterback decision, right? I, I imagine Peyton would, would be actively involved with that. I imagine if the Broncos had a, a draft need at quarterback, that even though he's team president, Peyton Manning would be watching the film of the prospect. So like if hypothetically in this dream scenario, he were running the team in 2022 and drew lock 
wasn't the answer. Teddy Bridgewater wasn't the answer. And Aaron Rodgers never came to Denver that he would be watching film on Desmond Ritter and Sam Howell and Spencer Rattler and Malik Willis and the other, and the other quarterbacks that we're going to be talking that we're going to be talking about next year if the Broncos have a QB need. And I'm sure he would have, he would have kind of his input on it as well, because there are certain decisions. And I'd say, I'd say franchise quarterback is one of them that go all the way to the top. Yep. I totally agree. And Mace, I would absolutely love that. And you say, you, you say it's kind of a dream scenario, which it absolutely is. I don't think it's that crazy of a dream scenario though, man, if you are an owner and you just want to get off on the right foot in the new town and just have everyone embrace you, you make one higher and that's Peyton Manning. Now, uh, what, what something else that I'll say about owners, especially billionaires is they have their own people and you can't, you can't ignore that. They may come in and say, I want my people. I just bought this team. This is my organization. I want to put my own people in place. And so maybe that's where Peyton is just not included at all because the owner wants his own person mm-hmm. running the show. And that's understandable, but Peyton Manning could also be a pretty darn good person to be running that. I would completely trust him uh, as the president of my organization. And if that's something he would do, I think that's a role that he would take because of like what you said, Mace. He can be involved in football stuff if he wants to, but he doesn't have to be in on the day-to-day stuff. He'll be kept busy. It's a very prestigious title for him. And he'll he'll be just as involved uh, as he could ever want to be with an organization. He's pretty much the, he could pretty much be the day-to-day owner you know, with, with someone else ahead of him. So that's why I see this right. being something that he would absolutely be open to. And just the fact that he did not say no yesterday really makes me think that this is a possibility. And one thing he said was he takes his life on a year-to-year basis. Mm-hmm. That's perfect. Uh, keep, keep next year free, Peyton, because you may have a job. The other thing that comes into play is this. The trust, if the team is put for sa- up for sale, the trust will decide the buyer. And... Yep. Let's say, let's, let's say hypothetically, let's just that you got two offers. All right. And you have mega billionaire a and mega billionaire B. Mm. If mega billionaire B. It offers a, like 500 million to a billion dollars more than mega billionaire a and mega billionaire a has Peyton Manning in their group. It's great. It's great that that, that group a has Peyton Manning involved, but mega billionaire B is going to get the team. But what if it's a difference of say, of say a hundred million dollars instead of a billion, a billion dollars in the offer and mega billionaire a offers say 5.3 billion, but they've got Peyton Manning involved and mega billionaire B offers mm-hmm. 5.4 is that a case where the presence of Peyton Manning makes a difference and the tr- and the trust seeing an opportunity to kind of keep things relatively within the Broncos family that we know makes that deal. That that's the, and that's where it kind of gets it gets interesting. It who look it would behoove any potential owner of the Broncos if the team is for sale to have Peyton Manning involved or Another thing is, would John Elway be involved as well? I mean, is it sort of the same thing? I mean, are they together? Are, is there one mega billionaire with John Elway? There's one mega billionaire <laughs> with Peyton Manning, and then it gets kind of complicated. We see, oh I'd like, man, I, that I'd would like, be fun. <laughs> I'd like to think that uh, uh, that you could have a group that had 
that had both that had kind of both of them involved then that that would kind of be the dream scenario if you had a mega billionaire that also had John Elway and Peyton Manning both in the group and then John was kind of you know being Mr. kind of you know shake hands and enjoy and enjoying his retirement years but Peyton was kind of actively involved in the day-to-day like we mentioned I mean I I think we're talking about we're talking about dream scenarios here and I want to kind of make that clear that uh you know this is sort of this is sort of a hoped for scenario but when you are talking about the trust administering the sale and members of the trust such as Joe Ellis and Rich Slivka having long uh, associations working full-time for the Broncos franchise, then you would expect it would benefit a group to have some kind of uh, tangible connection. Yep. Yep. You're a hundred percent right, Mason. I love where you're coming from. And on top of that, the trust Ooh. isn't the one benefiting from how much money the team sells for. Now, they're not going to sell it to Peyton Manning for $100 million when they have billion-dollar offers coming in. Obviously not, but they're not the ones cashing out on this deal. So they really could make a decision that is for less money, but in a position that they think puts the Broncos in a better position moving forward. So whereas, let's say I'm selling the team, and I'm someone that's just looking for the most money, well, I may not care about the position that the Broncos are in moving forward in the future and if Peyton Manning's involved or not. And that $100 million to me, I say I want tippy-top dollar and I'm going to get it. So I'm taking Mm -hmm. that $5.4 billion offer. But the trust they're not getting the money that that hundred million dollars. It's not like they're losing $33 million personally. No, just the kids are now. Maybe that seems unfair, but from a Broncos fan perspective, Mm -hmm. I think this is a great place to be once they're actually selling the team. I think the trust deciding who gets it is really good. And again, they're not going to, uh, to screw over the Pat Bowling kids by taking an offer. That's half as much, Mm -hmm. but I do think that they could very well take an offer that is, you know, 2% 2% less or 1% less because it's in better hands. So Mace, I think that's a fantastic point and something that really, we really could see. And so might as well put Peyton Manning in, in an offer like that to really sell it to the Broncos. And you mentioned John Elway. I don't think it is as fun as it is. I think John's done. I think this is his last year with the team. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he's going to be very happy saying, saying not goodbye because I think he's going to be very involved with the Broncos still. Uh, but I don't think we're going to have Peyton versus John or even John yeah. and Peyton on, on the same ticket together. Yeah. And if they were, I don't think John Elway is involved in the day to day either. I think he, right. and that's the key thing. Like I mentioned kind of the name, but I don't, I don't think he would be involved in the day to day administration if he were with an ownership group. I think he would be a partner who had a, who had a small stake and he would enjoy, you know, coming to games and uh, shaking hands and celebrating his glory. And if uh, the Broncos get back to winning Super Bowls, putting another ring on his finger. But yep. I think that I think for John Elway, that would likely be the the limit of, of that. Again, right. I kind of made, I made the magic. I made the Magic Johnson kind of mention earlier. John Elway would be Magic Johnson. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I Pey- think Pey- yeah, yeah. Right. Peyton would be would be Magic plus being actively involved day to day in in that. But that's but certainly uh, you know someone like Magic who you know what was a was kind of a face of a group. That's the that that's the sort of thing that kind of provides a, a model, certainly in terms of uh, pre- presence with the team, uh, fan uh, fan affinity, and all and also hopefully 
success given how the Los Angeles Dodgers have done since that group took over the team. And and Mace, now that we're talking about Peyton and John Elway, my other massive takeaway from talking to Peyton yesterday was just how important John Elway was in landing Peyton Manning, because we've known that, Mace, you and I have never argued how important John Elway was, but there are some people in Denver uh, and around the nation that really like to discredit Elway for luring Peyton Manning in for his time as general manager, because a lot of people say, uh, oh, John, yeah, he only had success because he got Peyton Manning. He got Peyton Manning is the huge thing that people just blow over. And yesterday, I think for the first time ever in in these direct of terms, Peyton made it very clear how important John Elway was in bringing him to Denver. And the way that I took his comments was that if John Elway wasn't here, the Denver Broncos very well may have not got Peyton. Then you don't get to Marcus where Aqib to leave. You don't go to Super Bowl uh, 48. You don't win Super Bowl 50. In my opinion, here's what he said. He, He was asked about, just you know why choosing the Broncos in that time and this is just a clip he said Denver boy they just welcomed me with open arms they were the only team that really just understood what I was going through emotionally physically and a lot of that was Elway so boom I think this this argument from people is done and over and John Elway deserves all the credit maybe not all but 90 percent of the credit for landing Peyton Manning you cannot discredit what he did yeah, now, <clears throat> pardon me. Now, that being said, uh, Peyton has said things about the Broncos' approach before. He's talked about how they were the only team that understood what he was going through after being cut by the Colts, and they gave him space. Mm. They didn't push. That They just kind of – they laid back, let him kind of come to terms with everything, and – so kind of yeah. what, what, yeah. what, a quick example of that Mace is Peyton flew into Denver when he was in Denver, Denver took care of him. You know, they, right. they got the car out, they brought him in, they gave him everything he needed. Whereas you had, you know, Seattle and other teams flying into Denver to try to get a secret meeting with him mm-hmm. to, to try to grab him away. Whereas Denver just said, Look, on yeah. your own time, uh, when free agency opened, Mace, the Broncos weren't saying, Peyton, you got to accept an offer today or we're moving on. They didn't say, Peyton, you got to fly out here. No, they, they, they took their time. They said, Peyton, you come to us when you're ready. Remember, and that was a, that was a risk in of itself for the Broncos because, oh, yeah. because they're sitting there and they, they were patiently waiting on Peyton Manning and all the while the first wave of free agency passes and players are are plucked off the market and you get into the second wave and i remember the chatter at that time being like well i mean what are they doing they're not they're 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 basically kind of suiciding for peyton manning here and if they don't get him uh what are they going to be left with in terms of the market and the ability to improve the team that offseason so there was a risk involved with kind of sitting back and letting peyton come to it he visits denver and then usually it's you know how the whole thing of saying it's usually we don't want to let that guy leave the building. Yep. They let Peyton leave the building and go yep. visit other teams. And yep. Seattle, unfortunately, Pete Carroll and the Seahawks, they tried to push it by, you know, having, you know, having a flight into Centennial and trying to yep. meet him right there at Centennial Airport. They were desperate. They were. And, and, and ultimately uh, kind of the Manning party kind of rebuffed that. And Peyton took his tour and he, and he visited other teams, but, after he visited the Broncos, it was a member. It was a week before the workout at Duke, when, of course, you had uh, the, the cameras from the, the from the news stations in the Raleigh Durham market that were that were following 
the SUV along from RDU Airport to the Duke University indoor facility, uh, kind of like a a football only version of the uh, the OJ chase tracking you know tracking the SUV as it, as it was making its way out to Duke. I mean, but that was that was a week later. I mean, having the confidence in yourself and what you did and what you had presented to step back and be patient. It doesn't mean that John Elway and John Fox weren't on pins and needles the whole time, but they resisted the temptation to push. And to their, to their credit, that's what allowed them to nail, uh, nail down Peyton Manning as a member of the Broncos. It does, Zach, it doesn't happen without those two guys at the helm of football operations for the Broncos. If it's some, if it's somebody else, if it's, if it's not John Elway, if it's not John Fox, I don't think Peyton Manning is a, is a Denver Bronco. It's the con- It was the combination of John Elway understanding Peyton Manning as a fellow quarterback and John Fox and his staff being willing to rewrite the entire offense yeah. to fit what Peyton Manning wanted. The two, the, those two aspects came together, made it possible without either one of them. Peyton Manning's playing for another team. And Mace, that's something that Peyton actually said was, you know, they were, they were willing to rewrite their offense for me. And that just blows my mind that not every team was saying, Peyton, here's a blank offensive playbook. If you want it, if you want to use ours, you can use ours. If you want to use yours, we'll use yours. That is just crazy that that's something that stuck out about the Broncos was they said, we'll run your offense. Are you kidding me? I mean, Mace. What do we talk and, and not just about Peyton, but let's say uh, uh, you, you get a first round quarterback in the draft. You should absolutely make your offense like them. Now, maybe it's not the same as Peyton where you look to Justin Fields and say, okay, the, anything you want to do, but you build your offense around them with, let's say Aaron Rodgers comes to Denver or Aaron Rodgers goes somewhere else. That team should absolutely say, Aaron, you tell us how you want the offense to be, and we will build it around you. Heck, if you have a playbook, we'll just use that one. It just blows my mind that every team would not do that. So props on the Broncos for doing the extremely obvious and smart thing and, I guess, unconventional thing. Well, the other thing is Peyton had some give back as well because they wrote the offense for Peyton's strengths and the plays that he liked, things that he liked to do but they wrote it in the language the Broncos were using because Peyton, you know, again, it, it, it was a give and take. It was kind of like, all right, you put these concepts I, I like in and I will learn the language that everybody else already knows. Cause the, at the time coming out of Josh McDaniels and Mike McCoy had been a McDaniels hire at the time, they used the same verbiage that the Patriots have used that goes all the way back to Ron Earhart, and Ray Perkins in the 1970s. So, they took those concepts that Peyton liked, translated into that offense, and then Peyton, to his credit, learned a new language mm-hmm. in terms of how to run, run an offense. So he learns a new nomenclature. The rest of the, the offense gets a, a tactical overhaul for what Peyton wants to do. Everybody kind of gave a little bit, and, and, and the result, Zach, was magic. It's like kind of – it's you know there's some, it's something to be said for kind of a beautiful compromise – of getting of of rewriting the offense for Peyton, but Peyton being willing to learn a new language. So his other teammates didn't have to do that because they were having to learn new things tactically. And it was, 
pure magic, Zach. It pure was magic. It was. Oh man, Mace, I have absolutely loved this conversation, and we haven't talked X's and O's once, and I've loved this conversation. It's been so much fun. Yeah, I mean, it's a slight deviation. Let's, Close to X's and O's and end at the end when we're talking about offensive languages. One thing if Aaron Rodgers became a Bronco, of course, is that he doesn't have to learn a new language because it's West Coast and Green Bay, and it's West Coast here. So right. that and that al- that alone, I think, gives him a bit of an advantage and a chance to kind of get up to speed quickly because he doesn't have to learn he doesn't have to learn things in in, in new verbiage. And Mace, I'm right. proud of us. We waited till the end of the second segment to mention Aaron Rodgers' name. And yes. there is an Aaron Rodgers update, but I want to get to it at the start of the third segment. All right. Meanwhile, I want to tell you about our friends over at Legal Pete's. They're back with us. We're so pumped to have them on board again. I know I am because I love that Baja fish burrito over at Illegal Pete's. You're not going to find a better fish burrito anywhere on the front range as you guys know the pandemic shut down lots of restaurants illegal pizza was one of them but they didn't back in action for a while now we can't couldn't be happier to promote them here's what's going on at the illegal pizza locations there's a sound check promotion it's ongoing at all locations and offers a free draft beer or house mark with purchase of an adult entree when you show a same day ticket to any event and they have location right in lodo so you can real easily head there before or after a Rockies game actually sounds great. Go to a Rockies Dodgers game, get some illegal pizza and get a free draft beer house mark. I love that offer. Speaking of that Lodo location, they reopened in a new spot with a bigger indoor and outdoor space. They are at the corner of Wazi and 16th in Lodo, which is close to both Ball Arena and Coors Field. All locations serve breakfast until 1 p.m. from Friday and Sunday. And down in Lodo, they're serving breakfast every day. And at Illegal Pete's breakfast means breakfast burritos, tacos, bowls, even breakfast quesadillas and nachos. They serve chorizo, which is their own proprietary blend, and bacon crumbles as their breakfast meats. There's also Party Marks. Launched during the pandemic, it's 32 ounces of their house margarita, which is, by the way, four times the size of their regular house margarita. And they've got happy hours, 3 to 6 p.m. every day, including a dollar off all drafts, dollar off house and coin style marks, $20 for Party Marks, and a dollar's off, a dollar off large chips and queso and large chips and guac and free chips and salsa if you're drinking at the bar. And don't forget, they take care of their employees. They pay a living wage to all staff starting at 15 bucks an hour plus tips, free food and drink off ship, discount off duty food, 401k matching and paid time off for all employees and an option for health insurance for all full-time employees. So you support Illegal Pete's, you go there, you have a good meal. You also know they're taking care of their staff, paying a living wage. That's a key thing right now. Check out Illegal Pete's. They've got locations up and down uh, the front range, and they've got those great deals going on right now. Check out our friends over at Strava Craft Coffee as well. And they've upped the ante. They really want you to try their delicious CBD-infused coffee. So they're giving you a new code, DNVR25. Gets you 25% off your first purchase of Strava Craft Coffee. And guys, this is something you absolutely want to try. The CBD coffee is not only delicious coffee that packs the caffeine jolt, but it also has the CBD, which helps relieve aches, pains, headaches, migraines, anything that's going on, including IBS. Some people even say that it helps uh, get rid of the coffee jitters. You can drink as much coffee as you want without feeling the jitters at all. So make sure to check them out over at Strava Craft Coffee. And once you use the code DNVR25 and get 25% off, you can subscribe to Strava Craft Coffee and you'll get it sent to you every single week 
two weeks, four weeks, six weeks, or eight weeks. However often you want it sent to you, it'll show up at your door at 20% off. So make sure to check them out over at Strava Craft Coffee. Also, check out our friends over at Solace Meds, a new partner for DNVR. They've got some hot deals to offer. Of course, they got four locations in Fort Collins, Wheat Ridge, off-Broadway in Denver, and then one on East Colfax, just blocks away from the DNVR bar. Here are the deals they've got going on this month. Wild Night and Day Gummies, big one, 50% off, 25% off all wanted, 20% off all O.Pen cured rosin cartridges, 20% off all green dot concentrates, 20% off rosin cones, and get a 10-cent pre-roll or 10-milligram edible when you spend $50. And if you go on over to their Wheat Ridge location or Wheat Ridge, as Stewie Griffin might say, you can get a free solace bar King cone when you mention the code as well. That's the wheat ridge location of solace meds. Head on in and mention that magical code DNVR20. Get 20% off and get a free solace bar or King cone. And all of these amazing deals you can take advantage of and get 20% off your entire purchase when you use that code DNVR20 at checkout. Solace meds will make your cannabis shopping a delight. You can head on over to their website, view their menu, order online, and pick up at your convenience. Just go to solacemeds.com. That's S-O-L-A-C-E meds.com and purchase from there and use that code DNVR20 to get 20% off your purchase. There's no better way to support DNVR than by supporting our partners. And if you use that code DNVR20, not only do you get 20% off, not only do you get the free King Cone or Solace Bar at the Wheat Ridge location, but when you use that code, they will know that your friends at DNVR sent you. So check out Solace Meds, S-O-L-A-C-E meds.com and Check out their four locations in Fort Collins, Wheat Ridge, one off Broadway in Denver, and one on East Colfax, just blocks away from the DNBR bar. And Mace, let's jump into the comments section. But before we do, I told you there was a little Aaron Rodgers update today. AJ Hawk, a former teammate, longtime teammate of Aaron Rodgers and good friend of his, uh, who's also on the Pat McAfee show. He was on the Pat McAfee show today, and he has just spent a week with Aaron Rodgers in Montana during that golf outing and other time as well. And he said he fully expects Aaron Rodgers to report to Green Bay's So, boo, maybe AJ's wrong, but uh, that seems like a pretty good source right there. So we'll keep following. Maybe he doesn't show up. Maybe he shows up and demands a trade. We will see, but I just saw that and had to share that with you guys. Uh, So let's hope for some happier, better news in the comment section. Yeah, where are you seeing that? I mean, I... I think I found it one place on social media. I'm, I'm surprised this isn't all over the place. Yeah, I, I guess uh, right, see. Th- it right. hasn't blown up yet. Oh, well, there we go. Um, dun, 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 dun. No, maybe it's not, uh, you know, maybe he'll change his mind, but that oh, does there. seem pretty. And, and obviously, uh, you know, there's maybe some bias coming from AJ Hawk since he was yeah. a Green Bay Packer for so long and he wants him back in Green Bay, I would imagine. But also, the connection he has with Aaron Rodgers is pretty hard to deny him being a, a source. Yeah, you wonder what changed Aaron Rodgers' mind if that's the case. Yeah, maybe he'll change his mind in the next two weeks. We'll see. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, well, hey, uh, get, get, get ready for uh, hoping and praying, right? <laughs> yeah, so unfortunately, that takes my confidence level down. Now maybe I'm at 40 to 60. 4060. Yeah. All right. Yeah, th- this what Peyton Manning said had no effect on on my confidence level. This actually has an effect on the confidence level. 
Yeah. Since he's good friends, you know, if your good friend were to tell you something and you were to report it, Mace, I would trust you. Yeah. So there we go. There, there we go. So aren't we glad we got to all the good news before we got to the, maybe the, <laughs> yes. For some, the comment section for, can, uh, can lift us up again for, for some, a letdown. Yeah. I was going to say for the count, he's, uh, he's got to like hearing that. Yeah. He, yeah, he does. I mean, well, Hopefully there's a, another great quarterback behind door number two. <laughs> yes, exactly. All right. Anyway, orange and blue all over says, howdy gents. We talk a lot about the start of the season being easy for the Broncos. Is it an easy start forever? The starting QB is though. Seems like a bit of a fan trap. They aren't good teams, but do have pretty good defenses overall. And I would expect a hard start for the QB. How should the coaching staff and fans view the QB? If we have a three and O start with a QB struggling against those defenses. Mm, it's it's a good point. So you have how good are these defenses, May? So of course you start off with the Giants in New York. Obviously, in New York makes it a little tougher. How good's their defense? It's not bad. It's it it's improving. Is, is how I would describe the, uh, the 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 Giants' defense. It's not spectacular, but right. it's imp- it's improving and uh, has had a couple of decent performances down the stretch. Now, if we want to kind of get into you know, where that, where they, where they ranked last year. I mean, it was, it was mid table in terms of, in terms of total defense last year, giants were 12th in the league, but again, on the, uh, on the upswing in general. So I think the giants go into 2021 thinking that they have a defense that should be in the top 10. Right. Um, and, uh, the good thing is, is it's not like so elite, right. but it, it it is going to be tough, especially on the road. Uh, second week, Jacksonville again on the not, road in Jacksonville. On the road in Jacksonville, that is not a good defense, and obviously they've really come got, down from where they've been. Yeah, it, obviously new coaches and, and new staff, new schemes, so they could throw some wrinkles at you, but but personnel wise. It's not a heck of a lot better than the unit that finished 31st last year. Oh, yikes, man, how quickly they fell. Yes, exactly. That's the thing. Ooh. You think of Jacksonville, you think of defense, but last yeah. year their 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 D was their D was atrocious. And just to kind of get give you kind of a sense of what it was on the scoreboard, Zach, last year, after giving up giving up 20 points to the Colts in week one, they they allowed at least 27 points in 14 of their last 15 games. And the only exception was when they gave up 24 in a loss to green Bay in November and down the stretch, Zach last four games of the 2020 season, the Jaguars gave up 31, 40, 41 and 28. Now you had some, uh, you know, some offensive turnovers uh, leading, leading to that, but the Jags gave up a lot of yards and a lot of points and a lot of points last year. They were, they were 31st in total defense, which is yardage and 31st in points on the board, allowing 30.8 per game. The Jaguars are nobody's idea of a good defense right now. You're right. Now, the next week at home against the Jets, the team that finished with the second overall pick in the draft, uh, a team that has completely changed who they are and hired a defensive guy. Yeah, that's the key thing there. Like with the Jags, for example, you bring in Urban Meyer, and then your first two draft picks are Trevor Lawrence and Travis Etienne. So they targeted in terms of upgrading the team it was still an offensive emphasis with the jets 
You're talking about bringing in Robert Salah from the San Francisco 49ers. And you're also talking about a defense that was 24th last year, not nearly as bad as the Jaguars, but actually had some promising moments down the, down, down the stretch. I mean, you remember they had that game against Seattle where um, they, they gave up they gave up 40 points in that game. And that's obviously bad, right? Yes. Yes. But then you kind of you go to other games uh, that, that they had uh, when they when they closed out Cleveland, in, they, they beat the Rams in L.A., hold the Rams to 20 points. They then turn around and beat the Browns again, kind of the game that basically cemented they wouldn't get Trevor Lawrence, give up only 16 points, don't allow the Browns to even break 300 yards. So this was a team that actually had some promising moments at the end of the season on defense and did hire a defensive coach. The jury's out, but I expect better from the Jets defensively in 2021. And that means that it's probably going to be an average defense. Right. So basically, so I think looking at a pretty good defense in week one in the Giants, a bad D Jaguars week two, average D Jets week three. I totally agree, Mace. I think the Jets defense will be better, but I think it's going to take many years until they're like uh, a great defense. Yes. They still need the pieces. But then I think the next week we may be talking about the best defense the Broncos Mm -hmm. play, and that is the Baltimore Ravens. Now they do get them at home, but that is still a very tough game. Yeah, it gets tougher from there because you, you have the Ravens and then on the heels of that, you have the Steelers. So you have two of the top seven defenses in the NFL from last year and certainly teams that are defensive minded. So, yeah, that th- those three games, it gives the Broncos a chance to build some confidence. But, hey, I'll probably just give you a preview here of what will be said unless the Broncos are winning those games in the same way that like the 99 Rams opened up when they came out of nowhere, won the Super Bowl with Kurt Warner. And they were, people were like, oh, well, they weren't beating good, great teams, but they were actually dominating. They were dominating the teams that they played. If the Broncos are dominant, and I think we have the conversation that it's legit. If the Broncos are just kind of squeaking by and getting the three and O, then no, then we'll, we'll, pro- we'll know that there's going to be a healthy dose of skepticism. And I will be a skeptic. I will admit that until we see what they do against Baltimore and Pittsburgh and beyond. And then because Cleveland's a couple weeks after that too. Yeah. I mean, the quarterbacks don't have to be great to win those games, but if the quarterbacks are really struggling, then you are going to be concerned because you get a good sample of going up against a good defense an average defense and a bad defense quarterbacks should, should be, you know, decent. Uh, They, they shouldn't be, that I don't think anyone's expecting them to be fantastic out of the gate, but also they shouldn't be terrible or else that means a pretty scary future could be, could be coming the Broncos way. Yep. That's very, very true. Broncos UK. My boys. Considering I live in the UK and have really missed live NFL games. I just want to get your thoughts on games played in London. Do you think it's good for the NFL franchise, but more importantly, does it annoy American fans and NFL players playing in London? Obviously I love the fact that I can watch the NFL live I would love my Bronco boys to come to town. Stay safe, Broncos UK. In terms of uh, the the players, I think it's pretty split. Some players actually like going overseas and like experiencing life in London for a week and think it's really cool that they get the opportunity to do that during the season when they're getting paid. It's not a vacation for them, but they they still get some cool benefits. Other players 
really don't like it. They really don't like the time change. They really don't like traveling that far. They really don't like being away from their family and their home for a week because they don't just go for the game. They go for the entire week. And it's almost like a mini Super Bowl for them with mm-hmm. like the media availability and just it being such a different week for them. Not always, though. We've seen more teams that go over at the end of the week. And even back in 2010, the Broncos actually did not leave until Thursday. So they got two practices in at team headquarters, then flew to London. The only They had a practice on Friday and then infamously the walkthroughs on Saturday at Wembley Stadium because that's uh, where uh-huh. the camera was left in the stands at Wembley and then surreptitiously recorded the 49er walkthrough. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know. Tough. Yeah, but it, it just depends on the team. Now, I imagine this. It will depend on the team, depend on the coach. I always think it's better to go over early, kind of get adjusted, get comfortable, and also get that travel out of the way. I think that the thing if, that you're, if you're the Broncos that you would like is to play on the East Coast the week before and then fly to London after that game. That would shave about an hour and a half uh, uh, off of your flight time, going hour and a half, two hours off of your flight time yeah. going across the pond. Like if you're playing, if you're playing, say, uh, the Giants or the Jets or the Patriots or the or the uh, Steelers uh, the week before, then you just kind of catch a flight, go on over. You've cut your flight time a little bit. And then also you can kind of structure your week to say, all right, that first day we get there, we're just going to kind of maybe have a couple of meetings, but generally try to get our, our bodies on the on London time. Whereas when you fly on Thursday into Friday, as the Broncos did, they took, you know, they, they took the flight leaving late Thursday afternoon. And obviously with a time change, it's the red eye flight. You're landing Friday morning in London. And then they, they got to the hotel, basically got changed and went on out to the, uh, the cricket ground to have a practice on Friday. So if you leave after an East Coast game, if that works out on, on Sunday, you can basically kind of take those first couple of days, have some meetings, have your natural day off and get adjusted and acclimated. And then by the time you start practice on Wednesday, you're refreshed, adjusted and ready to go. Yeah, you're right. And in terms of a fan perspective over here, I think some people love it kind of just like the players. Some people love it. Some people really don't like it. And it, now what it does when they're over there, it starts games at 730 Denver time in the morning, which is great because you get to you get to watch football from 730 a.m. until like 930 p.m. If you want one thing that I don't like about it is it totally takes away the home crowd. And uh, while it's not a true Super Bowl crowd, because I think the people that are at the game are, are more fans of football than a Super Bowl crowd. I just, it, it gives it much, it gives it a very different feel, uh, not, not as exciting of a feel. So I don't like that part of it, but I do think on a bigger scale, it is really cool to have the NFL go overseas especially we know this better than anyone Mace. just how big uh, of an international community there is for football and specifically the Broncos. I think it's really cool that, that fans get the opportunity to see their teams and see the NFL in person a couple of times a year. So uh, even though I don't like the crowd kind of not being fully a home team, I think it, in the end it is good for the game and it's good. It's really good for the fans. Yeah. It's good for the fans. And like you mentioned kind of what the crowd is like, it's a crowd where there are, every, there are there every team is represented with jerseys in the stands, kind of like the Super Bowl. Right. It's a, 
So it is kind of more of a neutral crowd. So you sort of hope to be giving away a road game rather than a home game, because if you give away a road game, then you're not, you know, you're, you're turning a road game into a neutral game. You love that. Not that it helped the Broncos back in 2010, because that was a 49er home game. And uh, well, they still, they still lost uh, a game, yeah. a, a game that saw uh, Troy Smith start for the 49ers and uh, beat the Kyle Wharton led Broncos. You know what? I loved the fact that they went to London. I loved covering a game there, but that trip was a nightmare for the Broncos in retrospect, but it was a nightmare they had to endure because it made possible the changes that they needed to make, which helped lead to Peyton Manning and on and on. Yep. There we go. Next one coming in from our friend Casper fellas with streaming services, taking over all forms of entertainment. Can you see a situation where the NFL goes away from broadcast networks and creates their own exclusive streaming service for a monthly fee? You will have access to nearly any NFL game that's ever been played. The entire NFL network catalog of shows past and present exclusive coverage of the draft free agency and training camps during the season. You can watch any game you want live, no matter where you call home, no more blackouts or a network deciding what games you get to watch. Red zone can be a feature on Sundays. Maybe this is just a dream of mine, but I don't see why this couldn't be successful i know the league signed a decade-long contract with the networks but after that is this something that should be considered how say you wow that's interesting now um they have nfl game pass already which allows you to watch um watch the games after they happen and also allows you to go back and watch games i believe going back to 2009 through game pass every one is available but I would say this. I think an exclusive streaming service, it would not involve live games. I think it would yeah. I think it would involve just the archive of it because there's so much money they can make from the streaming of live games. And that's the contract that is floating out there now that hasn't been resolved. We've seen the Sunday contracts get taken care of for the next several years. Amazon Prime has the contract for domestic streaming of Thursday night football, and it's going to be streaming only unless you're in the home market. You'll still get it on over the air television. But the 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 Sunday ticket, which is right now only through direct TV, that's what's out there. And that's and they're going to get a lot of money from some streaming service. There was something uh, in the news this week reports about Apple TV being in the mix. ESPN plus has been in the mix. Uh, you wonder if Amazon prime might go further uh, in with the NFL and try to uh, get the streaming version of Sunday ticket. But what I do, I do wish that if they did that, that they would include uh, all the past catalog. But I, my guess is that a past catalog would be tied to the game pass that runs games out that that runs runs games after at least in the united states rather than runs them live that's what i could see and i would hope that they do that i mean right now you can go watch a bunch of of old games on youtube but i'd love it if there were a service where you could say hey i want to watch the broncos game from 1986 against the dallas cowboys when they slaughtered the Cowboys say or say I want to celebrate every Broncos win over the Cowboys so give me the 1980 game in September that Matt Robinson started give me the 1986 game after which John Elway was on the cover of Sports Illustrated and being able to and you're able to do that you're able to key up any game you want and uh, I think that that would be amazing I think it would allow people to kind of relive some fond memories I would love to go back and watch any old Buccaneer game that I went to back uh, with my dad when I was growing up that'd be a thrill 
Oh, I'm sure you would, Mace. In terms of uh, will it ever be on one streaming service? I don't think so. Yeah. Look at these TV contracts that the NFL gets. They are for billions of dollars, and they're not going to pass up on that to hope that people pay $100 a year for a streaming service. I, I, I think the revenue out there is way more in these TV contracts than it is in having people subscribe. Also, it would hurt their ratings. People, n- not everyone is going to pay $100 hundred dollars or two hundred dollars or whatever it would be for a season in order to watch football there's a lot of casual viewers and now a lot of people would most people would but it would hurt their ratings a ton because they wouldn't be getting a a large portion of their audience to just tune into certain games so i think for multiple reasons that that would knock them down from being king uh of the sports world in Mm -hmm. this country so i think for many reasons they're not going to maybe you see individual games start going to espn plus and streaming services like that but for the most part they're going to try to keep these games mm-hmm. so that the masses can see them. And then also when the masses can see them, they're also making billions of dollars on these TV contracts. Yeah. Like I, I don't foresee a scenario where uh, there isn't a satellite option to, uh, to, to get the games like a direct TV. I, I think what will end up happening out of these contracts is like Sunday ticket. will have a streaming option through one provider, but then there'll be a, but will also still be available through direct TV. Because right. there's some because if you're outside of a major metro metro market, maybe your streaming options uh, don't allow you the bandwidth to be able to to watch games that way. Like if you're on a farm or something like that, maybe your internet isn't. Maybe your internet is over the satellite, and that doesn't necessarily allow for consistent uh, streaming. And so you're going to need Directv to be able to to, to watch uh, the games live. So I think it's going to be some kind of combination deal. I agree. And Mace, last one coming in from our guy, Dan Burke. Hey guys. So it's the deadline today for a long-term deal of a franchise tag player. And that reminded me of what could have been on wash this entire off season. But luckily for us, George Payton managed to get an extension done with Justin Simmons over three months ago. A couple of guys have noted a culture shift with Payton taking over and moves like this help reinforce that idea. What do y'all think? Well, you're absolutely right. Dan Burke, what a relief, Mace. We're not on Justin Simmons' extension watch right now. That happened so long ago. So to George Payton and Justin Simmons, I say thank you. Yes, I I have hated these times in the summer. We're talking about (laughs) counting down to the franchise tag deadline and seeing, okay, is it going to happen? And these deals almost always happen at the last minute. Yeah. Thank you, George Payton. Last year when it never happened. Yeah, if they have, yeah, if they happen, they happen at the end. If not, then uh, we're talking about the deadline expiring. I'm glad. I'm glad that they got this thing worked out. It was one less thing. How many podcasts would we have done on no. Justin Simmons if they had not come to a deal? Oh man, we would have been doing so many mace. Five, ten. Yep, all for and something that was probably just going to happen anyways. And it's a terrible topic. yes i'm so happy that we did not have to relive that for a second straight year so thank you george and thank you mace and thank you to our presenting sponsor msu denver online because time and time again the one thing that can protect you against this crazy uh financial world is a degree that allows you to adapt into varying careers and over at msu denver they're the new urban online university with learning outcomes equivalent to -to face-to-face courses which is unheard 
of at other universities. MSU Denver has great gen eds taught by real people, great completion options, full grams and full programs, and the virtual services to keep you healthy and happy on your way to graduation. Whether you're online or on campus, it's all the same to them. Their students do just as well online as they do in person, which means you get the same degree while continuing to live your life and have that flexibility. And Mace, that'll do it for us today. Thank you so much for rolling with me today and this week. Thank you all so much. You guys mean so much to me. And thank you guys so much for all of the support and tuning in. We really appreciate it. For Andrew Mason, I'm Zach Stevens. We'll be back with you tomorrow on the DNVR Broncos podcast. How long's it been since you and roll out the truck and took a country drive? taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At caskers.com, 
we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at caskers.com. Ah, mmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at caskers.com.